0: This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. We have... ...enemies within our country. I think it's a
1: combination of demonology and psyop. The citizens are going to rise up and become deputized.
2: I have always heard President Trump. I, I like the way he talked. He reminded me of most men. Joe Biden last night in the debate, hes it's like he's not even a human being. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represented extremism. Can you imagine repatriating all the black Americans that Pat just spoke about to Africa? Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, or even out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane defined God. And look. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'll be your host, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, folks, how are we doing out there, podcast land? Here we go. I'm the host of the Profane Faith Podcast. Welcome back for those of you joining us again, Daniel White Hodge, always here, doing it to it, Um, never sure who's on the other end, it's not like uh, live radio, Uh, but hopefully if you're listening, uh, you are a subscriber, uh, you followed the page, all that good stuff, if not, it's your first time, welcome to Profane Faith, Um, as always, go check us out, Uh, we're online. We're all, you know, all over the place, all the platforms. Um, You can like us on iTunes, of course, Spotify. We even got a SoundCloud page. Uh, So if you want to catch up on uh, some special edition episodes, I've uploaded those there, some extended interviews. Those are there. I've also curated some playlists um, uh, there as well of different episodes, various episodes, um, along with uh, the sister podcast, or sibling podcast, I should say. Um, go learn today. So if you you know if you haven't checked some of those things out, uh, I highly suggest you would. My goodness, it's good to uh, good to, good to be back. Time is just flying. It's uh, in real time here in the year of our Lord 2023. It is summertime. We're uh, approaching the middle of July. It's hard to believe. Every year feels like it's just going by faster, and uh, you know. It uh Maybe that's just because I'm older, you know, I, I, it feels like, you know, it feels like school K through 12 was, well, you know, just drug on forever, you know, right? And then it's like you get out and it's just like, man, last thing I knew I was 18. Then I got married and then here we are. <laughs> so. Um, but hopefully you're doing well And hopefully you are taking the summer in If this you're listening to this is real time uh, I know I have gotten out Gotten some good fishing uh, It's a good time for me Just to clear my own mental space From the academic year And uh, be able to get into a new frame of mind And prepare for the new academic year That's coming up And so um, Yeah those are some things that I do Over the summer So you know spend some time doing some handy projects Around the house Definitely uh, out on the lawn, um, and uh, you know, doing some outdoor activities, fishing, um, walks, uh, more fishing, (laughs) you know, and uh, just really trying to stay outside as much as we can. Um, You know, I think what's interesting now there's, um, well, there's several. Well, there's a lot of things that are interesting, but several things that have you know rung out to me in these last. Uh, a few weeks is one, uh, it's it's interesting to just to see how climate is changing uh, and how those affect different folks. Um, here we got within a 24 hour period, um, at least with my measurements, I have a rain gauge in my backyard, uh, and actually less than a 24 hour period. We got over five inches of rain, um, which was like, huh, that's a lot of rain. <laughs> Uh, If you've heard previous episodes, you've been listening to this all and, you know, and, you know, episode by episode, you know, uh, Chicago, Illinois in general, the Midwest in general has just been in a drought. I mean, we haven't gotten mean lakes were going down. uh, Just, you know, we hadn't, there aren't hard water restrictions or there weren't, but things were, were, were going that way. Um, It just in May was really dry. I think we maybe got, two inches total, uh, which is very uncommon for us. Um, June was even drier. Uh, and then the weather said we're going to make it all up in one day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, needless to say, you know, just our, our basement uh, got flooded. My sump pump was overwhelmed, um, which is is unusual. I redid my gutters and uh, I had hoped we had cured that. But, you know, it just got overwhelmed and it was just a lot of freaking water. <laughs> um that dropped within like i said a 24 hour period um so you know that was always that's always fun at least it wasn't sewage it wasn't sewage uh and if i'm reading the news correctly at luke sack out on the east coast in connecticut uh places like that they are getting hit as well um and this seems to be from what a lot of climatologists are talking about this is going to be the norm um, I remember trying to call the city out and uh, be like, hey, you know, our front drain, the other drain that's on the city side, on the city street, um, you know, it's plugged. <laughs> but in fact, both of them were. Uh, and their response was like, "Yeah, there's nothing we can do. You know, just gotta let it, you know, just it, gotta ride it out, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. It's like all oh, the city systems over a hundred years old and it just gets overwhelmed. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh, don't you think? And I get, I mean, yeah, I get it. This is just a person working behind a desk and you know, they don't have the means or the wherewithal to solve the problem. But somebody at some point needs to, um, I, I'm because I'm just curious, like what, <laughs> how are we gonna do that? I'm, I'm tired of hearing people say, oh, it's a hundred year storm. Like, no, 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 this is, this is becoming seasonal storms. Like this is the new norm. Uh, we dry, 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 dry. And then all of a sudden we're going to dump. So I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's, it's some, some weird wild stuff that's going on weather-wise. Um, extreme weather conditions, not to mention uh, extreme heat in places. Maybe you're experiencing extreme heat. I mean, you may be below the equator you may be in winter right now. Um, but here on the Northern Hemisphere, we are uh, in summer and it, it's hot. Um, and... Uh, you know again all these things impact i always think about just again the future what does what that impact on food we already see all these prices going up and these corporations try to call it inflation um <laughs> just like i have a hard time thinking at the moment that uh, minimum wage gets raised they uh raise the prices and call it inflation um i don't, I don't believe that not for a second um i don't think Well, I don't I know for a fact because one most corporations most industries are pulling in record profits right now record profits Um, and uh, the reality of it is is that raising minimum wage is negligible to to their income again this goes back to capitalism and just how much money does the CEO really need to make okay. Uh, This goes back to, again, just how we view money and the spending of it um, and how that deteriorates communities, people, families, um, all of those things. So, yeah, and, you know, just more happy times, more great things going on. But without droning on, um, hopefully you're as dry as you can be. I got a a great guest on this week and I want to get right to that. Uh, he has directed and written, or co-written, if you excuse me, um, an award-winning film called *Between Mercy and Me*. Um, it was released in theaters back in June, but you, you know, uh, it's it's available now. Uh, I'll put all those notes in in the show links. Um, and uh, I just had a chance. I mean, this 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 guy is uh, African American. Uh, director and first of all, just to find somebody who's actually writing and directing uh, films, you know, in the industry, uh, is 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 still a rare thing. <laughs> okay, still a rare thing, especially when you start thinking about folks who write. I mean, seriously, one of these days, just look at your favorite shows, go to IMDb, uh, Internet Movie Database, and just look up who the writers are, who the producers are, who the folks that are behind the camera. Um, you know and you'll find right that that even if you may have a, a quote-unquote diverse class uh, uh actors um the reality of it is is the people funding the people who are putting it back is still very white so to have somebody who's putting all this together um and has a vision and is able to get greenlit um now granted he's doing all this stuff on independent on an independent basis uh which hey i get it that's kind of where we have to go these days uh, but nevertheless to have a film that's out there so I'm talking today or this week uh, with Craig Lamar Brown. He's a multi-talented film producer, writer, and director uh, hailing out of Detroit. He's going to break that down. He's got a good story. He's the founder of Brown Brown Films, a production company dedicated to creating inspirational or artistically captivating stories. Craig's passion for storytelling began to take shape in his high school years. Then uh, his versatil- or versatility excuse me, was showcased in David Leo Schultz ragamuffin trilogy god's fool where he produced and played the leading role today craig crafts from behind the camera making his directorial debut film between mercy and me this is again award-winning film uh craig currently resides in cincinnati uh with his wife caitlin and their five daughters uh where they enjoy the outdoors building community and creating i actually think Uh, He's in Atlanta now, but I'm going to let him break that down. Um, Yeah, check this out. He's got a really good story. I like the premise of this film. Uh, It touches on some things that we talk a lot about here on this show. Uh, So enjoy this time. Enjoy this interview. Stay cool. Stay fresh. I'll see you next round. Well, sir Craig, uh, welcome to uh, Profane Faith. It's great uh, to have you on. Thanks for taking the time out today.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Yes, sir. Um, well, I, I, man, I got a host of questions, man. Just being a black filmmaker, uh, being a black Christian mm-hmm. filmmaker. <laughs> but let yeah. me, let me, let me start with the the basic question. What's been happening from birth to now? What has made Craig Craig?
1: oh man uh, <laughs> that's a <laughs> that's a lot of let me see if uh my my storytelling skills will uh, get this done in an in effective time <laughs> but yeah so um i grew up um in the inner city of detroit uh i, okay. I would probably say my story is you know pretty typical uh you know, a lot of uh you know um young black males growing up in Detroit. I uh, had. Uh, single mom raising two boys by herself, uh, lived with my grandmother growing up and, you know, they just didn't have a ton of, uh, you know, financial resources, mm-hmm. but I had a strong family and a lot of love. And, uh, you know, that, I think that's what really kept me out of trouble. Right. Um, just having that kind of a support system. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in the Detroit public school system. Um, I, uh, ADHD diagnosis was missed terribly with me. Um, okay, <laughs> and yes, just, you know, just just struggling through school, but still just had like a, a ton of, um, like aspirations for, uh, art and uh, creativity and, um, and, and all while, um, you know participated in sports uh i was a, a, a pretty good athlete uh i think it was all, all safe in high school uh, oh. when I played, uh, football in college uh, so sports uh was definitely you know something that uh i you know i i ran after just because i mean it was you, you, you know it, it's pretty much that or uh you're in the streets and i yeah. i just didn't have uh i i had a lot more passion to uh you know continue on in sports but uh but, but however, you know, just growing up through, you know, the Detroit public school system um, and it was, it was it was just tough, you know. Um, yeah. And this was the east side of Detroit, seven mile. And um, yeah, it is. It was just pretty rough. But however, again, having that uh, strong uh, support system, the um, family who just, you know, loved me and you know kind of, you know, did their best to keep me on the straight and narrow. Uh, I was able to avoid, uh, you know, a lot of. Uh, you know situations uh, that my you know peers didn't avoid. Uh, you know, going to prison, uh, being murdered, uh, shot, mm-hmm. wh- wh- whatever the story is, uh, I was able to avoid that because of uh, family. But yeah, um, so that was that was kind of like my, <laughs> my my life growing up. Um, yeah. I um, and in the midst of uh, all all that, um, I. Uh, There's this camp that was geared towards uh inner city kids uh, in Detroit uh, called Wildwood Ranch, and that's the first time like uh, I had like a real connection with like faith and you know under uh, having a deeper understanding of like who God is um, through mm. this ministry, and it was amazing. It basically took kids from the city and brought them out to 240 acres of uh, just nature and tons of outdoor stuff. And, uh, I loved it. And I think that, um, kind of just opened my mind up to like, Oh man, this is, this is definitely a lot more out there than the concrete jungle that yeah. <laughs> you know, I, was, yeah. I was so used to. Um, and, uh, yeah, but also like, uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, there was definitely a change, you know, uh, happening within me, uh, in regards to just, really understanding, uh, like the importance of, you know, being, um, in a community of other people who, um, you know, believe, uh, in something more than themselves, uh, just having a relationship with God, uh, and Christ. And, uh, yeah, that just really opened a lot of doors. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of my life growing up in Detroit. Um, yeah, I mean there is a tons of other other stories, but I think that's a high level overview <laughs> <being above>.
0: of <laughs> Yeah,
2: No uh, man, that's uh yeah, you know, that's deep. That's deep. And I hear you on the outdoors, man. I, I'm I used I used to do very similar things with uh, some of the, the kids that I work with. I I'm a West Coast guy. Um oh, okay. so um yeah, you know, just getting you know, just getting folks out and you know, into nature and whatnot and all that oh, good man. stuff. Yeah. Um, so how did you end up in, you know, in film, man? How did you know, just to go from you know, I saw the films got some awards, but this obviously isn't your first one. Um, and so, you know, you got your little IMDB profile and everything. I was like, oh man, come on, man. You, you know, got the got it got it set up, man. So how did how did that happen given I mean, you know, just all the perils and pitfalls yeah. that can happen, you know, working with studios and whatnot. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be curious
1: so ah uh, yeah it's it's insane like um like i said like I, I growing up like i always had like this this um this draw to art um yeah. and in many different forms like music uh, whether it's uh drawing like i don't don't draw anymore but like i was enthralled by it and uh i, I just uh, the beauty of colors um and music and just like watching like how our can really change scenarios um yeah and but i just didn't have like a a good framework or really what it was or what i was understanding it was just kind of like oh man i am really drawn to this now kind of came out through um you know movies as well as i as i would you know take in the movies uh I, I wouldn't watch them like a normal person would just sit sitting watching the movie i would like naturally just just create things in my own head of life it would be amazing if this happened and just just every, every single movie i watched like from the time i was you know a little kid to, <laughs> to an adult yeah. uh, but yeah. just but still just not having like uh a way to, um, you know, exercise, you know, those, uh, you know, creative ideas. Um, so it was always a draw, um, but never, never executed in high school, um, or yeah, high school. Um, uh fast forward uh, i started to understand a little bit more about film um my er- early years of college uh, i had a friend who you know would just run around campus with a camera and i was always interested in what he was doing but like i was at the same time like i you know was focusing on football and like, i didn't really you know know um like uh, again like just how to actually make a short film or anything like that and um so that that uh curiosity still was growing and, and growing and then fast forward uh uh this was i think 2019 mm-hmm. um i so i'm now with my so i'm now in my career uh after college uh I'm, I'm i'm married uh i'm working in tech and i have three kids okay that okay <laughs> Um, so, you know, like, <laughs> like the whole starving artist thing is like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like, even though, like, I, I like at the time <laughs> I had a little more like pull it to where I'm like, I, I gotta handle business. Right. These, right. right. These kids are relying on me. Um, so, um, I, it was funny, uh, it's because of my tech job, uh, I was, Given the opportunity uh, to star in the future film, and then what happened was, I was working on um, uh, like a mobile streaming app for a producer in LA, and this was like a side project. Uh, I was at the time I was a, a software engineer for Kroger. Okay, um, I'm not sure if you, if y'all have Krogers out west, maybe like Dylan's or King Coopers. Or, oh I, I, yeah,
2: um, oh yeah. No, we okay. yeah, we know Kroger. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so that was like my day job. And I picked up some side work again, just like grinding, trying to, you know, take, take care of the family. Um, and, uh, this producer, uh, David Leo Schultz had a role open for, um, of a, a film of his at the time while I was working on his app. And I'm like, Oh man, like, this is really cool. What, what are you doing? Like I, I, you know, I, I love film. I always had like you know some sort of interest in it. And uh, I was like, "Hey, yeah, if you want to audition for like a small part in a film, like I'd open that to you." And this is like a really small part. And uh, I I auditioned, and he loved it, and gave me the lead role of the movie. And three weeks later, I flew to New York, and then LA, and I'm starring in my first feature film um, <laughs> called God's Fool. Uh, so. And that was uh it was it, it was fun like i i like it was my first time ever acting um i was still learning a lot and no it was it was like you watch a movie like my acting is up and down there's some great moments then there's some terrible moments <laughs> <laughs> we're all our worst critics um, man. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh it was it was my um first introduction to it i'm like oh mike this is awesome but However, I knew that I wouldn't pursue acting, not because I didn't think I was good enough, but I didn't want to honestly, like, pursue that path because that means literally uprooting your life, going to New York and L.A. and doing that with a family, three kids. It just for my situation, it's irresponsible when there is, you know, not a day coming. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I'm with that. Shoot.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, after, so, so I, I knew that I wouldn't pursue acting um, full time. I knew that wouldn't be uh, like, you know, so, something I ran after. However, I did have um, a strong desire uh, to create, uh, to write, uh, you know, uh, just, Cast vision, or just storytelling, and, and in general, right? I like I wanted to move people emotionally with uh, story, and yeah, I think yeah. that was something that I was naturally good at. Like, I think uh, I tell <laughs> like my wife knows knows this. I'm just a complex person. Like, I, I grew up in the inner city of Detroit and I like musicals like that's <laughs> <laughs> the two, two things that, you know, like typically people are like, wait, what? Like, um, so just, you just know, having these two worlds of like, you know, uh, art and like my background and, uh, like, you know, how to uh, ex- ex- execute uh, these things. Like it was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it, w- it, w- it was world one for sure. Um, but yeah, eventually, um, like, yeah i i, I continued to write and i wanted to, to tell stories and that's uh what um that's what my company was birthed out of um just recognizing like my gift gives my my calling um and what i was supposed to do next so yeah
2: no that's what's up man that I, and man, two, uh, all those things, man. I, like you said, the musicals, and oh, oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And, not, and not having a paycheck on the other end, man. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's for real, man. I'm I'm in the academy, and so, um, oh, okay, yeah. So anytime somebody says, "Hey, I want to pick your brain," I'm just like, all right, hold up." This is going to turn into like a workshop you want me to do, because yeah, absolutely. you know, when I was when I was going to school, man, it's like I'm getting that PhD, man. It's like look they didn't cough once when they told me how much I was going to pay per class. So I'm just like, I gotta,
0: I, 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 I gotta pay that back. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yup.
1: Yeah, yup. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Oh man. That is the truth, man. Uh, well, let me ask you some technical things. Cause I, I, mean, I love film. I mean, I, growing up I'm, you know, I'm Chicago based now, but, um, having grown up okay. in, in SoCal, man, just, you know, yeah. being attuned oh, to the, the industry bro. and, uh, you know, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to go to um, You know, recordings of um, Oh, what was it? Uh, Star Search, yeah, there we go, Star Search Oh, okay. uh You know, because, you know, they just wanted, you know, audience seat fillers And stuff, man, so you, you can go to those things for free If you didn't mind waiting in line for like yeah. two hours um, But, you know, like for Well, let me ask, let me start with this did, did you get a degree Was that, was your degree focused around media studies And film and art and all that And
1: editing, uh, writing, creative writing Oh, oh absolutely mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, I have a very generic business degree. <laughs> oh, no, that's good. So, like, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't, yeah, yeah, like, I didn't go to school for anything creative-wise whatsoever. Um, um. I wish, uh, like, now that I'm, you know, this is, you know, kind of like a, a career for me now. Yeah. So, I wish that. I did, <laughs> uh, but um, no, I yeah, I I didn't go to school for any of it.
2: Okay, no, 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 that's no, that's good. I yeah. and may I yeah, shoot? I think a good business foundation uh, is key. Um, well, I, so, so so well, th- th- what well, so then on that man? I mean, so I know you said you was creative, you was you know you know attuned mm-hmm. to the arts. I get it. I I was too, man. I mean, I, um, I you know, I, you know, I was a music guy, so I was like, I, I just I was always you know lured by mixers, mixers, and you know, and DJing yeah. and, and all that stuff, man. So I, I get that. Mm-hmm. What were some of the technical components, man? Just coming to a film like this. Um, you know, like, what do you shoot it on? You do red? You still do film? Is it digital? Working with, you know, I've had friends of mine who, you know, done d- done their own films. You know, working with studios, navigating, you know, prices. You said you had your own company. I just be- and I ask these questions mainly because I know there's my audience members who are out there who are aspiring artists trying to
1: figure out. Oh, okay. Which, yeah.
2: which way do I? <laughs> which way do I go with this thing? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I can, I, I can talk on this all day, but, um, yeah. So, uh, first question, like technically what we shot on, was, um, um, uh, it was the Ari um, Alexa mini LF. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, So it's the same camera that they shot, uh, 1921, 1921. Gosh. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it's 1921. no um, okay. <laughs> A beautiful uh movie about the war and it was amazing. I mean, this is like a a high performance production camera. Uh the look, the color science behind it. It's just beautiful. You throw it. I mean, you, you pull the thing out and you hit record and like right out of the box, like the image is amazing. Um love it. That's, so that's what we shot on my uh my D P was just amazing. So there that was something that um like and in, in still like even in the midst of making this film, I'm still learning and creating and and just trying to you know um, learn it as I go, right but yeah. something I was really attracted to about uh this camera and my uh, DP was just like you know the the colors that you were able to make come alive um, with it, and um I knew that in order to tell a story like this, like visually it needed to be stunning as well um because of the the nature of the film um so and so it was great uh, having him uh michael sims excellent uh cinematographer and he also uh is just really good at lighting um i think a lot of times in uh film uh like you know or, or, or short films or like low budget films like you could tell that they're low budget because <laughs> someone didn't light <like> well. <laughs> <Right>.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> and you know, like you, you go on to be man. You, um, oh my gosh. Like you, it, it's, it's there all day. And like, you know, I, I, however, I, I love that. No matter what your budget is, like shoot something. Um, but like, I think we are without excuse now because of the, the amount of, knowledge that we have with just youtube alone Um, that's the truth (laughs) yeah like you can learn all of these like uh lighting techniques and um with just you know youtube searching and yeah um so we 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 were able to um and then you get my my center he he's a professional he does this every day like he's he's legit um so it was really great having him um and also like the rest of the team uh, just, you know, brought uh, so many uh, gifts and experience to the project. And uh, I made sure that I hired up. Uh, I always tell people um, like the reason why, you know, the movie work is like, I just I, I hired people that were better than me um, in their departments. Um, and that was very important to get the movie across uh, same thing, my life is better because i married up. My wife is awesome. I, I, <laughs> and, I hear that. <laughs> and, you know, like, uh, I get a lot of great things because uh, I I wasn't prideful and I say, hey, like, you know, it is what it is. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a deal out of this. And the same thing with uh, uh, filmmaking, you know, <laughs> like uh, I want to make sure we had the right people in place so that we can uh, make the most Beautiful film we, could, we possibly can with our you know resources. Uh, so like the same, so the same thing with uh, the camera department, uh, uh, lighting department, uh, audio uh, technicians, uh, our uh, wardrobe. Um, um, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. It it was just blissful having uh, all of those creative talents. So that's like the the creative, Oh, sorry. The, the, the technical aspects of it. it. And, uh, yeah. And my, my company, uh, brown, brown films, uh, you know, just really just zeroed in on uh finding the best people and make and, and doing our best to everyone drop their rates to make this film work because it was a big swing for defenses but also just making sure that we did our best to compensate them as much as we can without uh losing integrity of the film and everyone was on board with it. um the next film they won't let me do that um <laughs> <laughs> they're like pay up fool <laughs> <laughs> which as, as, as it should be as it should be no, um but, yeah, yeah
2: no i love that thank you for sharing that man i i am i'm a nerd when it comes to all that so i i just appreciate hearing that and um you know and talking about that because like i said i got just you know different different folks man around who listen and just you know just always wondering like man but how'd they get their start and everything man and so well and, and and i and and with to that question and i'm definitely gonna get to the film here in a second man like how how I mean you said you you know you had auditioned, you were doing some media stuff and everything, man. Like, you know, was there quote unquote a big break for you, Craig? Was there like someone, oh, hey, look at this brother over here. I mean, yeah, you got the acting part um yeah. and whatnot, but you were like, nah, I don't really want to do that. Um and then in and, and then to that, navigating studios, like, you know, do you, do you you know, do you go to Warner, do you go to Universal, do you stick to, you know, this and this, that, and you know, stuff like that. You know, just just having those those type of things, you know, like yeah. you know, access to, for example, streaming platforms, network or uh, Netflix or um, Amazon Prime or whatever. Have you? I just I just be curious, just uh, like how yeah. have those things come up or not come up?
1: Yeah, no, as yeah, some um, good question. Yeah, so that so navigating, like you know, so so you make the product right, like we. Yeah. we we created a a great product. Now it's like, all right, how do we get as many people to see this product? And that's when marketing dollars come in and that's when my investors come in. So I had to raise the money, um, myself, um, to get, you know, to get the funds that we needed to get the uh, movie across the finish line. So that was, that was number one. Like, well, I, had this group written some concepts and then I pitched investors on it. Um, so and after we got funding, it's like, all right, let's create the thing. We created the, the film, uh, and now, how do we market it? How do we take it to market? Uh, who who would want to watch this movie? Yeah. Uh, which means more money. We have to dump into that <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah finding, uh, the right distributor. So, um, yeah, the, the distribution world, I'm still learning, um, a lot about, um, and G- Clyde media group is our, our distributor. Uh, they, uh, were like the first, I, I had, so I don't know, maybe like 10 offers to distribute the movie. And after a meeting with all of them and vetting them and, um, I I finally met with uh, some people over at Provident, which is a Sony owned company uh, who loved the movie. And we had some really serious conversations, but they were going through some big transitions and uh, ultimately decided to pass, but uh, really uh, worked with me and uh, made some other connections with me, which I am forever grateful for uh, that team. Um, And they connected me with my now distributor, uh, Collide. So which now takes the movie and says, Hey, all right. Uh, we have the relationships. We, you know, have you no, know, uh, partnerships with theaters. Um, and, and then that's how we got our uh, theatrical release. It's kind of, and it's like, sometimes I, you know, like I could be a pessimist. Uh, um, right, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's hard for me to, uh, you know, to s- celebrate things—that's something I'm, I'm constantly trying to work on. Um, but like with uh, this film, um, I mean, for an independent film to get a theatrical release is almost unheard of. Um, like uh, for a, especially for a first-time director, um, and, and I was just realizing, like, oh, like of all of the fail like, you know, we we had some misses with, you know um you know audience and uh and and getting the movie out to all the people that we think we would want to see this but then just like you know taking a step back and looking at it's like man like this is amazing that no matter what across the country there's no thousands of people sitting in seats watching this film and um that is such an honor and that's because of uh, you know people um believed in it believed in the story and the message of the film um but yeah this so it's uh it, it depends on what world you're in with um uh, movies like i'm i'm in the independent uh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh however i did did have some uh, you know again some serious conversations with Bigger studios, but as I continue to build out my company and to bring on more creatives and get more, uh, you know, uh, uh, budget and and, and dollars to to build out the company, um, we're looking at like how can we continue to distribute uh, films ourselves or make the uh, right partnerships uh, to continue, uh, you know, fill up um, this space of. You know, of uh, I would say, let me see, uh, of filmmakers who uh, want to create without the often at times like uh, restrictions of Hollywood. Um, so yeah, it's been great. I've met a lot of other creators along the way, and there's uh, some, re- some really good things are the coming in the future. I'm really excited about it.
2: Yeah, no, man, this is. This is great, and I and I definitely, man, I support all my indie folks, man. Whether it be in music, whether it be in film, man. I mean, because I think that's like you said, the restrictions that come, man. You know, you get one studio exec who says, "Hey, how about we take this in another? What if we put this character?" In? And you're like, ah, "Dang, man, like, is... you getting a little crazy here, man? I never never had a talking dog in this thing, man. Like, what is what is going on?" Um, yeah. I. So this is, so this is, so the, so the film that you have now, um, dealing with some, some issues, you know, this between Mercy and me is the film. And again, as always, for those listening, you know, all these links will be in the show notes, whitearchpodcast.com, Profane Faith. Um... But the premise of Mercy and Me, man, what's what's a little bit of the breakdown without giving away too much of the stuff? um, And, you know, what is what is the breakdown and and what inspired you to be like, I this I'm going to sink my teeth into this.
1: Yeah, I'll start with uh, the inspiration first. So um, like in the midst of like, you know, COVID, um, you know, I was in lockdown like everyone else um, with we with, with my five kids and, uh, no, actually at the time it was four. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. It was four kids. Uh, we're just, you know, uh, just try, trying to get through it. And, and then you see the headlines of, you know, George Floyd and you see the video and you see how the world responded to it. And then you have, uh, black lives matter. And then you have, uh, CNN and Fox News and it was just like a dumpster fire, right? Like, yeah. that's what the country was. And for the... Um, and like, if you were on social media at that time, you could clearly see, like, the awful things that were said or on both sides, whether you're black or white. Um, if you're Christian, or non-Christian, um, Fox News, or the CNN. It, it was just chaotic and, and in the midst of that, I realized like, Oh, I, we don't have a healthy way to talk about race, like in our country and like, what does racial reconciliation look like? Like we, we don't know because we're literally just, um, throwing insults, uh, at the other side. And it, it was just so tasteless. And, And then, uh, same thing with the church uh a lot of um a a time where you would expect you know uh the church to step up and take its place in regards to uh unity it kind of showed its true colors on where we're at as a country in regards to uh talking about race uh especially within the church Uh, i don't i don't like it, it it was a Time where it could have led the charge or leading um, unity, but it didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm and, and I'm saying like the big C church, like the organization and such. So I'm like, wow, like that's uh, and me being a Christian. I'm like, man, that is disheartening. So there was a. So I'm like, man, like one, we need to attack race in general but also like i really want to focus in on this element of like faith in the church and i still want it to be accessible to whoever watches the film like i give you you're an atheist or a christian like anyone who can watch this film and like walk away with something so and i thought the best way yeah. to tackle uh this you know uh emotionally charged conversation about race was through a love story okay um I thought the best way to handle this was through a love story that's paired with a lot of music to help move the conversation um, along and throughout the film. Um, so we did that with uh, a black male worship leader and a white female worship leader, and just showing like the the contrast of of one another churches. Uh, their churches are in the same community, uh, but they're you know they they they're a block away from each other's church but one church is black and one church is white um and they're just showing the differences of music and throughout the story like we see them um you know just tackle like you know these conversations of like you know the why like why do black people feel a certain way when they're pulled over or or when a white person is labeled a racist uh, when they shouldn't be or yeah. uh, like like it's hurtful both ways. Like so it, it, it addresses, of course, like, you know, racism towards black people, but also like I know about you, dude, I can be pretty intense at times when it comes to calling out um, people's racism in unloving ways. Um, and it not, not that it's. Um, how can I put it? Like, in order for me to really get a person to understand, um, you know, like my background where I'm coming from, like me just yelling at them, calling them racist and and doing the exact same thing that I'm accusing them of doing, doesn't help move the needle. <laughs> so, it you know, addresses that with like my my own people is like we can be pretty uh, harsh at times, and and you know, obviously there's a lot of other things behind those feelings. That you know we constantly need to address, but we also need to take our own responsibility because it's easy to for me to point the finger at someone who's white and say, "Hey, you need to do better," but but really, like I need to do better as well. Um, so, so I mean, the in the story kind of just goes through, um, um, and, and this is all in the trailer. There's no spoilers, uh, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. the, the um, um yeah, like you can see like how Mercy and Hugo, the two leads in the film, like um, had their own struggles, their own battles of being, you know, black and white and also, you know, falling in love and uh, what that looks like. So, um, and and, um, in a lot of films about race, it's sometimes just one sided. It's like, hey, hear my point of view. And you're not allowed to say anything uh, for, for black people um uh, and there's not many films that are addressed about race from you know uh, uh you know white writers and directors because like council culture right like you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you try to um you know make a movie about race that is um one-sided or right-leaning, uh, like so those, those movies don't exist much but there are a lot of films about like race from the a black perspective, but a lot of times, like those movies, are just like that's it. It's just it's just one perspective, and and in order to really um, see progression, I mean, like, I mean, and I'm, not, I'm not, and I'm not taking anything. Um, I'm not if it's anything new, Martin Luther King did this, right? Like he just said, Hey, like I'm going to start a campaign of love <laughs> and yeah, yeah. uh, I'm going to take care of my own actions. And that is what, um, really progressed our country, uh, was someone like him who said, you know what, like, I believe in my people and I believe in our society as a whole, that this is something that we can, uh, conquer um so it's nothing new but I, I wanted to do it in a way where um one is balanced but also um like it challenges people as well it's not it's not an easy film to sit through in regards to like uh you know the, the kind of inspiration where you're just like oh i feel so good like it 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 punches you in the face a couple of times and then we have some amazing music that helps carry over to the next conversation. Uh, and then to give you some time to breathe and process the story and our own, um, our, our own beliefs, our own uh, prejudices um, through, throughout the film. So um, yeah, it's uh, the, the feedback we've been getting from theaters, uh, for from people who watch the movie in theaters, they've just been amazing um like just that they're all able to have they have the words to have these conversations with family members or friends and that's been the most encouraging part of like this process. Yeah.
2: No man, this is yeah, no no, I hear that. No, I hear that. Um so one of the questions um I wanted to ask in in particular, I mean, you've already touched on some of this uh but you know the film dealing with some pretty dif- difficult topics, you know, in light of George Floyd and just kind of that yeah. you know um awakening, a reckoning, if you will. Some people called it that in 2020. Um, you know, of right. course, some of that stuff is is now worn off. You know, I, I have a lot of companies, AT&T, Verizon, people like that are, you know, reneging, but that's a different conversation. But the film yeah. uh, deals with difficult conversations. <laughs> yeah. uh, how do you balance honesty and authenticity with a desire to avoid, like, perpetuating, right, harmful stereotypes, you know, or triggering trauma, you know, for viewers and, and whatnot? I, I yeah. I'd be curious
1: yeah yeah i mean that oh gosh like that's something i had a lot of sleepless nights over with mm. writing a script it's like how do i do this and not miss because like get like it would just get ridiculed and it would just be another movie about race in the wind and that's not what i wanted for this movie that's not what i wanted for this movie like i wanted to make sure I didn't assess, but yeah, it was very challenging. It was a lot of rewriting, uh, a lot of bouncing ideas off of other people, a lot of asking perspectives, a lot of research. Uh, I mean, getting on YouTube and just like watching, um, I, I had a co-writer, uh, Andrea summer, who's a lead female. Um, but you know, and she's, she's white. So being able to, uh, just, you know, Talk through our own processes and stories, and the same thing with uh, Hugo, the Mel Lee, who was super uh, influential, like in um, some of the scenes and bringing out those conversations. So, yeah, it was it, it's hard. Like, I mean, I, it, there's nothing uh, <laughs> that's just yeah. It was it, it was hard having that balance, but like uh, again. Uh, really just focusing in on the emotions of people watching the film uh, is what I kept in mind in writing these scenes uh, for the movie. I'm like, all right, what is um, a 25-year-old black male who's educated, who's done all the right things that you should do as a black male uh, feel in this moment? Is it honest? Okay, it's honest. Great. All right. How do I challenge this black male to be more gracious uh, within this scene? And just thinking about like all of the scenarios that could come up in um, a place where uh, he encounters, I don't know, like someone who lives in the backwoods of Kentucky and carries a Confederate flag around proudly. Mm -hmm. Like, how can I uh, challenge him to be patient and loving um, to this person who, who may, and I'm not saying everyone who carries Confederate flags are, you know, racist, but you know, um, so <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I know. <laughs> right. I, I'll, I'll say it, but I feel you. I feel you. I feel you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's just, so like in each scene, it's like, all right, I like, I'm going to be honest. Uh, and I want to challenge, um, and, and same thing with my, my white audience, um, uh, It's like, okay, like this white 65 year old male who uh, leans right or is is conservative, who has a hard time understanding um, the outcry of black people, um, like in society around race. Like, how do I challenge him in this scene? How do I encourage him in the next scene? So, just constantly thinking about that by scene. Is what was helpful to me. It's like I kind of like locked myself in the room, like with this person, um, as I'm writing, because uh, I want to make sure that it and um, and 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 you'll definitely see this throughout the uh, the film as well. Uh, but yeah, it was um, not easy, but that's how um, I tackled it. That's how me, um, you know, the uh, co-writer tackled it, and uh, David, who plays Hugo, uh, as, as he gave his uh, incredible input on like feelings and stereotypes and stuff. Um, But yeah, yeah. Making a movie about race isn't my first choice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But uh, I thought it was something that um, was definitely needed to be uh, addressed. And uh, I I think we did that well with uh, the feedback that we're getting thus far.
2: No, that's good. No, that's that's good. Um, I think, you know, the film you know, gets into, uh, some other issues and particularly here, um, in Chicago, uh, dealing with, you know, gentrification and, and, and whatnot. Um, and you know, particularly on communities of color, uh, can you talk a little bit about how that theme fits into the larger narrative of the film? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. 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 So, um, it's <laughs> like, that is like a, like a story throughout the film that, um, honestly, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect it to have as much of an impact as it has, uh, but it was, it was really a bit talking point, um, for, um, a lot of the people. But, uh, anyway, so yeah, the, I, 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 I wanted to give the audience something that, you know, we all see on a day-to-day basis, um, or that we interact with without even knowing it. Um, like it just, it happens and it's been, having it for a long time. Right. Like it's, it's not a secret, uh, but, um, it, it's just something that we're so used to that we just kind of ignore. It's like, um, like, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 wanted to bring that to the table of like, okay, like, this is definitely a heavy topic. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and, and we, 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 I basically took a story from, uh, you know, like my own city. There's like the downtown area is just going through a lot of change very fast and, and people get displaced. And next thing you know, it's like you don't even like um, like they don't even have time to react or try to figure out why it just happened so fast when you know, developers come in and they... Upgrade a neighborhood, or they revitalize the neighborhood uh, for the sake of, you know, wealth, right? And and then yeah. that, and that's and, and that's okay. Like I'm, I'm all about aspirations. Like I, I got only real estate as well. And um, but ho- however, like I, I think a lot of times we're just blind to the people who are getting displaced. It's kind of yeah. like ah, sorry tough luck yeah and yeah. They're, not, they're not saying like don't like go into a neighborhood and make it better like i think a lot of people in those neighborhoods like yeah please like bring resources bring whatever it is that make the neighborhood better but when you don't own homes when you're renting um like that's an issue so it, it, we kind of set short like you know black uh ownership uh, home ownership uh as well and like how not being able to, uh, not only a home, like uh, can definitely impact uh, a family um, when it comes to gentrification. So, but, so, we, you know, we were touching on that, right like, just say, hey, like, you no, know, this is definitely something that happens. Like, how do we, and, and it's not going to just stop today, right? Like, I, I know this movie isn't just going to stop gentrification. Yeah, 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 um, yeah no, but, I, I got you, I got you. Can dude. we induce, can we, can we start to have, like, not just conversations, but like, can we start to, you know, make take action or like, hey, like, can we do this in a way that just doesn't displace a large group of black people that and that continues to persist, uh, you know, to homelessness or, uh, drug addiction or like, 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 can we do this in a way that is healthy? Um, uh, And yeah, so we we touched on that a little bit, and um, yeah, and and again, like that was really just to give the audience something to wrestle with. Um, You know, there's, and then I don't have all the answers. Like we we us as the creators of film, we don't have all the answers, but we do know from experience that that is something that like I've I've witnessed um yeah that could be uh harmful so uh yeah it's um you know that's that's probably one of the heavier uh things throughout the story but also like you see people in the film like taking their place and um like saying hey like i want to be a part of the change of how this happens so yeah
2: no i appreciate you answering that man that's uh i and i do think that art right can in a lot of my i use films throughout all of my classes that i teach um and oh, okay yeah no absolutely man because I, I think you know you can get at certain things through film right it's like you know whether it's abstract whether it's direct so and of course yeah, you know, i don't think any you know we, we, we all don't have the answers i don't i don't claim to have the answers either yeah. man on any of these things you know uh but you know, but but the conversations you know can get started. I think you know, and the knowledge can impl- you know can be implied, um, <clears throat> excuse me, or imparted. Um, and and I do think you know it's we're we're in an interesting time right now, and you know here in, yeah. in 2023. Um, one of the one of the things that came up, uh, in uh, well, one of the questions that came up that I that I wanted to also ask you says you know on Juneteenth. Uh, you know, obviously it's been, you know, recognized as a federal holiday, uh, between mercy and me, I think releases the day after the holiday or released after the day of of the holiday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, let me ask you this, man. How do you think primarily white churches, uh, can celebrate and acknowledge this holiday, you know, in, in a meaningful way? Um, you know, in particular, given all the different, like you said, cancel culture, some church be like, look, Hey, we ain't going to deal with this. We ain't got time for that, um, uh, or other churches, right? You know the, that I've uh, uh, <laughs> that I've been at, you know, uh, who just say, you know, we don't deal with the issues of race. That's not part of the gospel. That's not part of yeah. our theology. Uh, yeah. you know, if you just, you know, kind of Billy Graham's old stance, right. Was like, if we can just get enough people saved, racism will end. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, but I, so I said, so, so yeah, man, just, I know that's a lot compacted into one question. So I'll yeah. let you pick it apart the way you see fit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. So the movie release, uh, the day after, uh, Juneteenth, um, and we it was when the, the movie was going to release that week, uh, regardless. But it just kind of like lined up like with the June season. I was like, "Oh, like, this is amazing! Like, <laughs> let's, uh, let's capitalize on this." Um, but yeah, I've I've gotten this question a lot of like how like how can white churches uh, you know participate? And in, don't feel you know, the so pressure
2: like, oh, from hey. me. By all means, you can be like, "Look, I don't know if they can." So I just I'm just putting it out there, man. But I just- oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh
1: no. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I think a, a really ta- a tangible way is supporting and understanding uh, understanding like what it is. There's still um a, I just heard a super discouraging story from my brother-in-law um about uh someone uh he was interacting with uh a person who was white and who was like I don't understand like why we have to Celebrate this holiday is stupid, mm. and like, like if you don't really understand like what it is and, and what it means, like, like you probably will say something like that. So, yeah, or right. you flat out racist. Like it's it's one or the other. Either you don't understand or you're straight up racist. um Like there's no way to put it. It's like when you it's a holiday for Black people to celebrate, like, liberation. And so it's a day of, of, of liberation, and we're saying, like, hey, like, this is amazing, like, let's uh, celebrate. So it's like, for white churches, white people to, um, one, understand it, two, um, ask how you can serve. I think it's a time where you're like, hey, like, I don't, know really what to do with this holiday, but I want to serve like my black brother or sister, like in this moment. And whatever way that looks like being open. And I think, and you know, it's a it's a national holiday that's that what was it how, how many years has it been now? Is it two or three?
2: Since uh since what? Uh George Floyd? No, no, uh Juneteenth. How oh many? Juneteenth. Oh, that's yeah. been a federal holiday? Oh uh yeah I think two. I think you know something like that yeah okay. like two years yeah
1: yeah I think, uh, yeah yeah okay yeah two, two years yeah so it's um fairly new that we're celebrating celebrating this as a national holiday so i think there is still a lot of questions like all right well like maybe some white people are like i don't want to be awkward i don't want to be uh I, don't want to, I also don't want to appear racist, so I'm just gonna like back off. <laughs> yeah. So I think it, it may be a part or in like, I think black people to be more invitational um, to it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have all the answers of like how, but I would say that I think it's really important for one, uh, white churches audience to understand what it is. And if you have black people in your congregation, like you need to move heaven and the earth for them to be able to participate and celebrate in whatever way they want. Um, and that could be simply by asking them, Hey, like, like, how can we help you celebrate? Um, I think that's probably the most basic way as we continue to celebrate the holiday. Um, but yeah, however, I, I, I definitely think, um, you know, <laughs> white people should join in as well uh, with with the celebration uh, because you know we're we're basically saying um, you know uh, we 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 demolish uh, racism and and slavery in in our country and we're going to celebrate that. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's something that uh, white people should celebrate. And, and again, how? No, I have all the answers to how yeah yeah um, no, I, yeah supporting
2: well so yeah well so this brings me to another thing um or another question because i think you know this is something that the film deals with and this is also in the in the trailer as well um but hugo and mercy you know they're tested when they're you know faced with a routine traffic stop right and we all we all know about this right it's like Black person gets pulled over, you know, and just that, just that whole, you know, that whole routine and you know, you okay, ma'am, you know, all, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, without giving too much away, how do you hope the scene will impact viewers' understanding of particularly systemic racism and bias, right? You know, there's so so much of that stuff that's embedded um, into, you know, particularly uh, policing. I, I just read an article in the L.A. Times that was talking about how this. African American uh, 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 brother, he joined the you know LAPD, hoping to really make a change, and blah blah blah, and then he ended up just resigning because he's like, uh, "It's too much. This is crazy, right?" You know, and so I, I, the systemic stuff that's burnt into that. I mean, I, I'd be curious. I know again, that's a heavy question, but I'm gonna put yeah. it out there since you know y'all y'all had a whole scene and, and whatnot, a whole thing. I think that, that that continues the story throughout the film. Uh, but that mm-hmm. particular one was like,
1: oh, okay, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, I, that's definitely a scene I stayed up late at night uh, with. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, really, uh, I, you know, in that scene, it's pre- perception, right? How Hugo perceives a traffic stop, how Mercy perceives a tra- traffic stop, and and if you watch a film, like uh, I'm trying to trying to see how I can communicate this without giving any spoilers, um, like it's I phrase this film basically to more as a reaction than like what's wrong within the scene, like with the police officer pulling them over, and like what's right and what's wrong, but more so like how their responses. My my focus was more so their their responses. After the traffic stop. like he goes perceptions versus perceptions, and and then we go on from there. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, like it wasn't my intention to demonize police officers. I think uh, maj- I, I would say as a black man, majority of police police officers are guys who are just doing their job and you know wanting to make it home safe. Um, the same thing with me as a black male driving a car <laughs> at night, <laughs> like, I just want to make it, make it home safe when I get pulled over. Like that's it. Right. Um, so I don't want to demonize like police officers. Cause like I said, there's a lot of good ones out there. However, there are situations where, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, there's practices within departments that is like, man, like there needs to be some change or we need to uh, hire different temper, uh, different temperament of people. It's, it's a hard job. Like in general, like, I, I, I could I, I did a ride along with my cousin who's a cop. Like, there is no way I would be a terrible police officer. Like, <laughs> like, I, like, like I couldn't do that job. So, um, And so I like like I I want to respect and honor police officers, but also again, like challenge um like some of the systemic things that we see as black males when we're on the other side of traffic stops. Um I have a friend who was recently pulled over and he's gosh, I can but easy black male like he's a dancer like he teaches dance to kids okay like he teaches ballet to kids in the inner city He's so the most polite gentle spirited person is i've never seen him get angry whatsoever and however like so it's like i i imagine pulling him over like would be the same thing he's just really calm gentle and that's his response when he gets pulled over. He gets searched like all the time. <laughs> okay, yeah, all the time, you know. And he's like the most gentle person ever. And it's like, like what, like why is that warranted? Uh, like it's it's just so 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 interesting? But um, um, and sorry, I'm I'm kind of I going on uh, rabbit trail here, but no, like, it's all good, man. Uh, I'm with the you. Thing is um, yeah, I mean, like policing is uh, I, I I think a lot of uh, you know departments have like one that been kind of forced to make some changes and in, in, in there there may be more healthy uh, interactions out there uh, I, uh, I I truly believe that is maybe going in a more positive direction just because honestly because of the George Floyd thing I think uh, not a lot of people listen until we unfortunately saw a video of someone being um, very hateful towards someone, taking someone's life on purpose. Um, and that, and again, he, I don't think he's representative of, of all cops, but I know you and me have been, and I'm speaking for you, but like, I'm sure you've been pulled over in a situation where it's oh, like, um, yeah. why does this cop have it out for me? Is it just because I fit the description? Yeah, or- right really believe that I am doing something wrong. Like, so it's always like, it just gets exhausting, right? <laughs> so, um, but um, yeah, and, and we don't spend a lot of time talking about, uh, you know, policing uh, in the country, but I did want to show like uh, perspectives. And, and again, like in the scene, like the cop isn't demonized. He's, he's doing his job, but I did want to focus on reactions of like you know he reaction after this moment and mercy's reaction in this moment just to basically show like it's different if you know my wife who who's who's white it's different if she gets pulled over than than me in some cases not not all but like some cases like you know like she's she gets left off uh uh let off with a warning uh i may get you know search (laughs) so yeah Yeah. yeah, it's it's, you know um even even if you're doing everything right right you know know what i'm saying so um yeah it's uh, and and i'm always like when we're talking about like policing um it's it's so tough like even even now it's because i like i want to give the benefit of, of of a doubt to police officers as well but also like I've been on the receiving end of brutality as well. I have friends who've been on, on that same end. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. again, perspective. Again, like I love police officers. Like if someone breaks into my house, if I can't handle the situation, I'm calling <laughs> the police. I'm very thankful for their presence. Uh, now, I'll definitely uh, always be uh, grateful and respect them. Um, and uh their scenarios to let them do their job uh, i think that's what i should do as a as a human being not just as a african-american but as a human being like i should be c- kind and considerate, but i should get the same treatment you know <laughs> so absolutely
2: yeah. absolutely no i mean i think that's i mean i think that's the the you know one of the big things right you know just from uh us in the black communities just like man you know like we just let us get the same treatment. Like you want to get home, I, same thing. I want to get home, right? I want. I, I don't. You know, it's like you feel for your life. I'm. I'm thinking about. I'm fearing for my life too and stuff, man. So it's just like, hey, let's let's back it up a little bit, man. Um. So let me ask this, as and I know our time is is running nigh here, man. Um, but uh, you know what's next for you, man? What's what's going on next? Um, and uh, you know what what you got coming up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I am working on the next, uh, film. Um, it's definitely not about race. Uh, <laughs> I can only do one of those. I got you. I got you. <laughs> but, uh, also, uh, want to tackle, uh, depression, m- m- mental health. Um, and I'm going to do that in a way that is, um, how can I put it, uh, without giving everything away, I, w- I want to do it in a way that's entertaining to men. Um, so I thought the best way to uh, tackle, uh, you know, mental health is through somewhat of a spy espionage uh, type film, um, okay. that has a the theme of like forgiveness and grace. And again, like with a lot of, um, a lot of elements of art to it. I think I always use that medium to help carry stories, just because I'm very enthralled by it. Um, so, yeah, I'm working on that, and it's been in in the early stages of pitching and uh, asking for a lot of money. Um, and it's it's all going well. So I'm <laughs> I'm super excited about that. But really, um, so working on that uh, for the next project, but also just. Uh, focusing on a company um, um, and just building it out and making sure that I have um, a good roadmap map for like our team of creators to continue to um, make uh, films that are thought provoking and entertaining. So yeah,
2: no, I love it, man. I love it. I'm I'm excited to hear this or see this, you know, this espionage film dealing yeah. with mental health, man. I think that's a, a good creative way uh, to do this. Um, man, where can, uh, where can at the moment, where can viewers go and watch between mercy and me?
1: Yeah. So if you go to between mercy and me.com, um, you can actually sign up for a time, uh, to, uh, watch it, um, online. Um, it's like a scheduled time. Uh, also you can bring it to, uh, a a big group of people as well. Um, your church or if you just have like a organization um that you want to view the film like you can do that as well so yeah it's available you can it, it can be watched it's not in theaters anymore um but um yeah yeah it's uh ready to be viewed and i think this is a movie that will really uh, entertain and challenge people uh the it's a award winning soundtrack with over 20 original songs written specifically for the movie and wow. um the the music is actually out on spotify now so if you like music uh, if you want to get a good introduction to the film uh go get that playlist and yeah and have yourself a good time it's really good
2: is that under the is the playlist just under the the movie title
1: yeah, yeah, between mercy and
2: me. Okay, all right, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna put those uh, in the show notes as well. I think y'all need to go check it out. I didn't know that. Oh, I'm gonna go check that out myself. Um, yeah, man, folks, I've been talking with Craig Lamar Brown, a multi talented film producer, writer, and director hailing out of uh, from Detroit. The film is between mercy and me. Uh, Links on how to see it and how to check it out, along with the playlist, will be in the show notes at WhiteHodgePodcast.com. Last question, sir. Uh, Where can folks find you at, man? And maybe somebody watching right now is like, hey, I want a fun his next movie, man. I'm gonna <laughs> give this brother five million dollars. I mean, hey, y'all yeah, need to spread some of that money this way too to the profane phase. But <laughs> but nevertheless, was that?
1: I'm putting Daniel off. <laughs> <laughs> but where can folks? Where can folks come and check out um, some of these
2: some of the other stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Craig Lamar Brown on Instagram. Uh, I get DMs there all the time, and I actually answer them. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'm all right. To- I'm not too proud to uh, answer DMs from complete strangers. Uh, So yeah, yeah, I I, I love meeting new people. So yeah, feel free to reach out to me there. Uh, Brown Brown Films as well as our Instagram page and uh, brownbrownfilms.com is a website. So you can find me at any of those. um, And my team will get back to you or I'll get back to you myself. And yeah. That's
2: what's up. That's what's up. Um, and as always, like I said before, these going to be in the show notes. Craig, uh, man, brother, thank you so much for taking the time out this morning um, to come talk about your film, your art, the work that you're doing. Uh, and thanks for the material that you're putting out there and you do, as a black man, uh, you know, doing doing it up, man. It's 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 good to see that and it's good to see, uh, you know, your work that's out there, man.
1: Awesome, man. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure being on the podcast. Thanks for
0: having me. Hey everyone, I'm Nate from the Full Mutuality Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Jessica, Kathleen, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions that they came from, please feel free to hop on into the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episodes of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking the link in the top banner. See you there.